back. What's up, fellas? Episode 5. back like we never left what's going on everybody how's everybody feeling on this wonderful night good you know what we haven't done in a while is our mental health check-ins where are we standing guys are we at from one to ten or has anybody's number changed from where we were i think i got two sevens and a seven and a half last time i'm at eight and a half now i've bumped up hmm I'm on drugs, so my mood gonna be better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got an eight and a half. Uh, I mean, my mental health has definitely improved. I think um, working on working on a couple things, a couple changes, and I think um, so. I feel a lot more confident and motivated going forward. So, I don't know what the number is. Let's let's say eight. I don't. I, I don't know what, what was that last time. I think he was an eight, seven and a half. All right, so let's go eight. But now it's a solid eight. Yeah, solid eight. There you go. All right, so I got an eight, eight and a half. Dave? Uh, You know what? I'm going to keep the trend going. I'm going to go with an eight, too. I'm going to go with an eight, too. I'm good. And I think I'll finish off with a... I'm going to go eight. Uh, Everything's good. Everybody's good. Everybody's healthy. I'm going to keep it in line with the eight. We'll let Brian be up top with the eight and a half. Uh, we got to get up to his level. Cleve's going to change his number now. Yeah. yeah. I was waiting for him to do it 8. that 8. time. 8.6. <laughs> <laughs> $1, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's do it. Let's get into these topics, fellas. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. Brother, brother, brother. Who listen? So there's far too many of you die. You know. So this is definitely not a soulful topic, fellas. We are talking about <laughs> the, the state of the world. The state of the world is going up, on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, from one of our group chats that we had, uh, we keep referring to our group chat because it's lit. Um, we had a That's debate a after Juneteenth. Because, you know, everyone was kind of feeling different things about the new national holiday that's now being celebrated. Um, We started discussing police reform. We started discussing education. We started discussing social justice. And during our conversation about education, we sparked a little debate. Um, And that's and that's good. And that's kind of what's needed. So we decided that we wanted to put the mics on and bring our conversation here. Because we're all men, we're all fathers, and we're all living in this world where we're looking for change um, and things to be better, brighter, fair, equal, just, however we want to say it. And we all have different ways of how we think we can get there and what needs to be done to get there. And that's kind of the space that we all collectively as a people need to get to, where we can listen to different opinions, whether we agree or not, and find common middle ground. So... Let's go. Let's uh, let's get into it, brothers. What's going on in the world? We just celebrated Juneteenth uh, and some of us weren't very enthused about this new national holiday in light of all the different things that we are looking for in our communities. Uh, So let's talk about it. Uh, So Juneteenth specifically, uh, I, I appreciate the fact that it's becoming a topic of discussion that we are acknowledging that black people in America were not free on July 4th. And that, so for the reason that we're celebrating Juneteenth. So I appreciate the conversation. I'll just start with, start there. And do I think it should be a national holiday? I, I probably lead on the side that, yeah, it's a, probably a good thing for non African Americans, non people of um, non-descendants of slavery in this country can take the day to at least acknowledge the atrocities that were done to descendants of Africa and, and enslaved people 
for you know centuries so i I appreciate that yeah i think it's ridiculous that it uh took this long um when we've been celebrating cinco de mayo for as long as i can remember and i and i'm not this is not a, a slight against anybody of mexican descent but um if we can have a holiday that celebrates mexican army's victory over france (laughs) at the battle of puebla why can't we wait hold up you know a lot of information about cinco de mayo well i'm just being i I thought it was just tequila that's what no 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 no. but i mean you believe are the problem yeah yeah you're part of the issue (laughs) like not taking you (laughs) i guess what i'm saying is we can we can as americans celebrate you know, Mexico's victory in the French Mexican uh, war, but we can't celebrate or it's taboo to uh, to acknowledge um, the day that the last slaves were told that they were free in the state of Texas, because it's not the day the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. It's the day that the last slaves were told, just to give you some historical context of Juneteenth. Which was how many days after? The Emancipation mm. Proclamation was, was it on a year. Or I th- like I don't know if it was days. I think it might have been months or even a year, but I'm not sure. I, I don't. I, I can look it up, but I'm not sure. I believe it was four months, four or five months. That's fine. Dave. Yeah, my personal opinion on it. I love it. Um, to everybody else's point, it's a long time coming. Should have happened a long time ago. We celebrate a lot of holidays in this country. And it's sad. Columbus Day. Day. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you got Columbus Day, you got Cinco de Mayo, you got Grandparents Day, and Sibling, National Sibling Day, and all these other holidays. We don't get days off for Grandparents Day, do we? No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, (laughs) we should. There's like, we should. He would be singing a different tune when he becomes a grandparent. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why don't I get a day? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I think just like the acknowledgement, not necessarily like the day off and everything. The day off is great. That's an awesome bonus. But um, just the acknowledgement, because it was never one of those things that was acknowledged before, right? It was kind of like, the secret black holiday, if you will. It was like, you know, all the, well, not all the black people, but a lot of black people called out on Juneteenth and things like that because it was like, well, I'm celebrating my holiday, but it was never really acknowledged by anybody. So I love it for the fact that it's, it's just being acknowledged. Um, And I think that's a good step in the direction of improving things in this country, right? First, you got to acknowledge the problem before you can fix it. And so by acknowledging Juneteenth, you're acknowledging that slavery was a thing and that it was a horrible thing and that, you know, all the history that goes along with it. So um, from that perspective, I like it a lot. All right, so I will be the one to take it there. I felt that this new Juneteenth holiday was pandering. I was very upset that out of all the things that we've gone through uh, with the unjust uh, murders that we've witnessed of uh, George Floyd, um, I don't even want to start listening because there's so many names, but we've witnessed so much um, injustice. And for me, I was, I'm upset that out of us being promised police reform, and that was kind of my point that I was making in the group chat, the only thing we've gotten accomplished so far is a holiday. Yes, I think it's a step in the right direction. I believe that schools should have to teach around Juneteenth and start to really acknowledge, aside from just during Black History Month, our history and what we are and how we've helped and improved in this country and what we've done for this country, but it also needs to be understood that for me, Juneteenth is not enough. For me, I want actual change. I want to not be scared that a police officer can pull me over and kill me. And it's possibly him getting away with murder. There's a lot of 
different things that need to be addressed. And I think this was a step in the right direction, but I would have rather a, a bill or a, or something in the form of true change or justice. So when we start talking about police reform and we start talking about what that will look like, uh, the biggest catchphrase that we heard was defund the police. A lot of people heard that, got nervous, didn't understand it. And it really started a lot of contention. And you started seeing the signs of we support our troops. We support not we support our troops. We support the police. Uh, you started seeing a lot of the uh, flags Ooh, going, man. the police flags flying. And and it, it became a movement of if you were supporting Black Lives Matter and their whole move for defund the police, that you were anti-police. I even saw that um, a house around the corner from me where I live they put up a uh, Black Lives Matter sign and then right next to it, they put up, but we support the police sign because they did not want to be considered. They didn't want to be labeled on one side or the other. And it was just interesting that they felt that they had to do that. Mm-hmm. So I want to I, I do want to kind of have a, a conversation about what change looks like and what we want when we speak of change. Um I think this is kind of where the conversation and the meat and the potatoes of our group chat went. And I really, really want to have that conversation just to clarify my point though, before we start, I do not think that Juneteenth is a bad thing. I think that us finally acknowledging the holiday and celebrating it is great and needs to happen. But that was not the change that I was looking for. The change I'm looking for that has not taken place yet will be true justice and equality for my people. I just want to interject that uh, the Juneteenth was two and a half years after the emancipation. Um, wow. Yes, right? they were freed in 1865. That's when they right. were told. Right. Right. It was signed in 1863, and then we were freed in Galveston, Texas in 1865. That's when they were Well, told. not freed, informed. We were informed, freed three yes, years before yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. They got two more years of labor out of us. Not us, our ancestors. Um, I think I'll set it off. Uh, Trey, you know, look, and this goes back to the group chat, and it, it's it's something that I struggle with as an African-American every single day of my life. I think we all struggle with this duality, right, of like, <clears throat> being African, of the African descent and American. Is that what you're referring to? Sort of. Um, I'm, more, I'm more discussing the difference between... I struggle with us helping ourselves and needing help, if that makes any sense. I think, uh, and and this is kind of where our discussion earlier got heated. I think that we, not we four, but we people, and I'm generalizing. So if there are people who fall outside of this generalization, forgive me. I feel like we do not do enough to help ourselves uh, nearly enough. And I definitely agree that at at a certain point, we're going to need support. Um, I just don't know if it's going to come from politicians. I just don't think politicians are in the business of actually helping. I think they're in the business of running a country, which is not the same thing. To my position. Dave, Cleve. I, I mean, I, I'll just butt in real quick. I think you and I are, are align very similar on on this idea um I, and i try one thing you said is that the only thing we got out of this was juneteenth but i think if you look at the landscape of the country i just i even know with my company and different companies people are actually um having these discussions having are we empowering people of color are we empowering black people are we putting black people at a disadvantage i think people are actually having these conversations where i think is should be one of the goals is not just hey here's a here's a law here's a bill here's an act here's a this but actual change and actual people having conversation being willing to to have you know conversations with people and um, invite people of color, invite black people into your homes, invite them. So it's, so one of the the biggest thing is not like, 
I don't necessarily need a handout. So if if I walk into a room and I'm the only person that looks like me, which is often, right? If we if we walk into a, a a meeting at the job, we walk into a neighborhood, whatever. We recently signed up for the neighborhood pool, and I'm like, man, why are we only the only black people here? And what is super helpful is the scene of somebody that is of the majority culture or that looks like the majority to just st- you know extend a hand and say hey welcome you know and i maybe I, I see that a lot more which i see people of that don't look like me i see white people reaching a hand out and say hey welcome i see you and it, to me that feels like progress it's not the end goal but i i just want to acknowledge i there is there has been some progress in my opinion so i if i could just reply to you um when i say that the only thing we got from this just to clarify that a bit i'm not saying that one i'm not looking for a savior i'm not saying we need and i know dave you know i know where you're going so i'm not going to take your 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 stuff (laughs) but i'm not looking for anyone to hand us anything what i'm looking for is that the person who ran his entire campaign and the vice president who ran their entire campaign promising us that we were going to see police reform actually do what they promised us they would do for our votes. So my issue with that, and and even when we say a savior, I don't need anyone. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not looking for handouts. I'm not looking for checks. That's not, I'm saying that I want politicians to actually deliver on what they promise our community. I'm upset that, you know, and even when we look at the the major bills that were signed and taken place in the civil rights movement, we needed allies to help write and craft those bills and sign those bills. So there is a piece of it that they play in us getting the true change that we need. And And for me, my frustration is more of this is another president that I've voted for that has not delivered on what they've promised. And I keep getting told every election year that my vote matters. Vote, vote, vote. Don't not vote. Then I vote and they do nothing that they promised us. So that's more of my frustration. Not that the day is not important. Again, I think it's an important day. I'm just upset that we keep getting promised that, hey, we understand that this is an issue plaguing your community. Then they get in the office and it's not that big of an issue anymore. There's not even conversation coming from uh, from the two candidates that we have in there about it. Yeah, I mean, you, Trey, that's a that's a very different um, perspective than than what I thought when we were when we were having a conversation offline. To that, I'd say what I said a few minutes ago. I I don't. I just don't, I agree with you that it should be a bill. There should be laws. There should be statutes, but I I'm just, I'm very, very bearish on police reform. Like I just, I don't think that there's enough of a priority put on it. And that's a sad thing. I think right now and and probably for the next couple of years, the priority is going to be the American economy. And if we are really going to, affect change. I'm not saying defund the police. I, I don't believe in it. I think that's a stupid uh, 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 suggestion. But I feel like at a minimum, if compensation for these murdered Black families started coming from the police pension and not taxpayers, we would we would see less deaths. And it's it's a sad state of affairs. I'm not saying it's an answer, but I'm saying it's a route. Because once you start playing with people's money, things tend to actually change. That's what we can ask for because we can't do that. But what we can start doing is stop supporting, if we're going to be serious, stop supporting these things that perpetuate this cycle that keeps us dumb and destitute. That's my soapbox moment for this episode. Go ahead, Dave. I, I, I jumped in before you. Go ahead, Dave. No, um, that was good. It was good clarification, but um, for me, I'd say, well, two things. I'd say you have a valid point. 
but also I'd say that politics in in general, at least for me, I don't I don't look to politicians to fulfill anything that they promise. Um, just specifically because just the way that this government system is set up, it's like it's not like they can come in there and they have all rule and authority and they just say, this is what I want and this is what goes. We know it's got to go through Senate. It's got to go through Congress and, you know, the, the House and all that stuff and all these different checks and balances that are supposed to keep everything balanced. Um, but as we've seen with previous presidents, it's also what stops progress, right? Like you get a Barack Obama in there and they very quickly show you, you don't have any power because, you know, the Republicans rule the house or whatever, or they just don't agree with you because you're black. Um, And so they veto half your bills or stop the other half or whatever. So for me, I'd never vote for politicians based on what they promise for, um, and I would say that's probably where the change needs to start, where we need to really just stop this cycle of, to Brian's point, like, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to vote for the the lesser of two evils. I've been hearing that since I started voting <laughs> when I was 18. It was like, oh yeah, vote for Al Gore. He's the lesser of two evils. Vote for, you know, whoever, um, and really start looking at like progressive candidates who actually could possibly get into office and actually make real change. Because if you're a Democrat or Republican, you got backers and you got constituents who are paying also to Brian's point, millions of dollars to sway your, your agenda. Right. And so you say whatever you can to get elected, but then when you're in there, it's about who's paying the most money. And at the end of the day, those are the ones who really got you elected because they funded your campaign. Right. Um, so you got to kind of bend to their agenda and their will. So as much as I agree with you, I also feel like it is in the sense like we're looking for, like we got to be the, ch- I hate this because it's so cliche, but we got to be the change that we want to see, right? We can't, we can't look to the politicians. We can't look to to, to any outside sources per se. Um, we got to make, make the progress on our own and come together as a collective community. The, similar to how to, you know, um, and I'm sure we're probably going to get there, but how the Asians did. Right. The Asian community came together and said, look, we're going to stop this, this and this if y'all don't stop the Asian hate. And that bill got passed like that because and, money, money was behind. It. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And to and to that point, um, that's kind of where my frustration comes in, because that bill was it was like immediate that they got that resolved. So you you touched on a really good point, Dave, and um, I think we should talk about it. Why can't we come together? Brian, I'm going to let you say your line about how much our dollar is worth and how much we spend. Why can't we as a people get together and make that happen the way the Asian community was able to do? Because everybody who comes to America from Asia is Asian. And all of the black people in this country are African-American, West Indian, African-American, Southern African-American. There's so much division amongst our own people and it's systemically, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's built into a system to continue in that vein. So, and you know, we, even the four of us on this, on this call, I don't have a black wife. So for some people I'm out. Um, you know, Cleve never played uh, sports at a high level. So for, for some people, he's out. We're all Christians. So we don't understand the struggle of living in the hood and having to, you know, work, smoke weed every day to escape. So, you know, or me and David are light skin and you and Trey are, are, are you and Cleve are dark skin, Trey. Like 
there's so much divisiveness and there's no commonality on what we want. Like Asians wanted the hate to stop. That was their message. You can't give me a comprehensive plan that would, that's, and we're talking about it. Like what does change look like? The fact that that's still an unanswered question after, would you say 1865? After almost 200 years, maybe 175 years, is why we're in this position. If we were all to come together and say, we want police reform, or we are going to stop funding these companies that support police pensions, police, police reform would happen. Or if we were to say, we want to stop being discriminated, discriminated against in corporate America, uh, no, we're not going to do that. Fine. Then we'll build, we'll build Greenwood again. We'll build Black Wall Street again. And we'll start our own thing. Or we want to be, we want to be as athletes. We don't want to shut up and dribble. We want an activist platform that we can speak from, or we're not going to play. Fine. Don't play. Ticket sales would go down 90% in the first year. Because nobody's, nobody's watching an NBA game to watch, you know, Pat Connaughton play against, you know, Brogan Bogdanovich. And they're both good. But like you, you want us to entertain you, then you have to listen to what we have to say when the mics go off. I, I want Cleve, to I, I, I want you to jump in on that, Cleve. But then I also want you to to answer Brian's point of view about the division amongst us, especially because you have West Indian a background and you're you are technically West Indian. So I, I do want to hear your thoughts on that piece as technically, well. Technically, but not really because you can't cook right. <laughs> <laughs> and neither can your wife <laughs> yeah my rice and peas need a little bit of work but uh, I, I want to just interject and say that the the condition of modern day black America is not by accident right, right? it is uh, hundreds of years of deliberate action from majority culture, from legislations, from redlining to real estate practices to, uh, you know, um, prison, uh, you know, the three strikes, crime bills, all that stuff is the reason to what black America is today is not an accident. So it's not, um, it's deliberate. So in order to escape it, I think we have to take deliberate actions. And so I, I, I totally agree with, with all of you guys. And, it's, and Trey, like, it's going to take laws. It's going to take these things. It's also going to take us seeing the, seeing the truth, seeing our condition, and establishing some leaders, establishing leadership, and, you know, coming up with a way to escape from the cycle of death, the cycle of, of crime, the cycle of whatever we're going through, this, the plights that we're breaking that we that we want to break out of. So I do think, I do want to acknowledge that it's not by accident, right? And we're not just here because we are lazy. We're not just in this position because we don't want to work and we just know not for good black people, but it's actual, we're actually, actually going up against, you know, centuries of oppression, right? Um, so as far as the division with black people and West Indians, I mean, I, yeah, I'm West Indian, but I mean, I, I, I grew up mostly around African-American. So I don't, I don't know if there's that division outside of jokingly. I think one thing that West Indians do, and I see it, especially from, um, you know, fam my family and, and definitely my wife's my wife's Haitian family is that their objective coming to America is get money. I'm going to do whatever it is to get money to get my family out of position. I don't need a out of in a better position. I'm not looking for a handout because as a as an immigrant, you're not getting any handouts. I'm not looking for any favors because you're not getting any favors. So I think the advantage that West Indians have is that I'm not looking for anybody to kind of bail me out. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get myself out. Where I see from the African-American side, 
and I'm not, I want to, I don't want, I'm, no, I'm general, I'm going to general, generalize, but I don't want to paint everybody in this picture. But I think a lot of mentality that we see is that um, we're looking at somebody for the reason that we're in a position, and rightfully so, you know. But I think once we start getting away from that, that we're being deliberately, you know, like that, that get away from a, a, a victim mentality, I think we can get better progress. And I know, you know, I'm generalizing a lot and I'm not an expert in this matter, but that's one, that's two things I see from the different sides. Yeah, to add to that, that's what I was, um, that's kind of what I was talking about in the group chat about this kind of like this idea of looking for saviors, right? Looking for somebody. If we only, if we were only taught this in the hood, if we so, were only. one second. I just want to, because I, I want us to kind of really go into this topic because I, my, my issue with what you're saying and not your my issue, but what I'm not understanding about what you're implying is, is that. Who? Who are you talking to? Just in general. Well, okay. Cleve and then now Dave kind of echoing the same sentiments. My issue with that is that I'm not. I'm not looking for anything outside of reasonable. Politicians should be held to the same standards that they are held to for other communities that they service. So where I think that is more of a, um, what do you mean I'm looking for a handout kind of conversation is, is that I can educate myself, which I know we'll get into, I financially can provide for myself. I can work to break the the, uh, cycle of poor spending habits, poor habits with money and all those things. But I can't stop an officer from pulling me over and shooting me. That has to come from true change that people in power say you cannot do that anymore. Now, to Brian's point, we come together, we stop things, we make that happen. But that's not a you can't say vote 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 you have to vote your voice matters and then when we vote it's you're waiting on people to do stuff for you those two the way you guys are phrasing that those two sentences just don't seem to for me don't seem to match what's well, right i'm right? i'm paying politicians or i'm putting politicians in place that are ch- should be championing what we all agreed are issues and then they get in office and do the complete opposite so that doesn't me- then mean that i'm not doing my part I'm not no, a politician. No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. I think, and and David, I know you have a point. Let me just jump in real fast and then I want you to take the floor. If that is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So Trey, I think, I think at least for I'm speaking only for myself. I'm saying that two things need to happen. And if they don't both happen, we're gonna be in the same position. So to your point about politicians doing their part, I absolutely agree with you that there should be an agenda that supports African Americans. But because and not because of how we treat our own communities, they don't have to. Like, we will continue to vote for the lesser of two evils, regardless if the black agenda is not taken seriously. And the right, proof- well, David addressed that. That's not how I vote. But no, I, I know, not you. Not, That's not, not how you, I vote, but I understand not, what you're saying. Not you, Trey. I'm saying that the re- to answer the question as to why politics aren't held politicians aren't held accountable is because they don't have to be like, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that, and you, you made the point earlier about the Asian community, the Asian community forced the hand of the American government, Mm -hmm. forced the hand. The African-American community has not done that. That's why politicians can continue to promise big or over promise and under deliver to the African-American community because we thought Barack Obama was going to be that president. And then we quickly found out that for whatever reason you want to rationalize in your head, he did not have a black agenda that was going to be carried out when he got into office. And the response, the direct response to Barack Obama was Donald Trump, the direct response. And then the direct response to Donald Trump was Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. But in four years, actually in two years, the Senate will flip back to Republican and in four years, whoever's sitting in that Republican seat, unless it's Donald Trump, is going to take home the presidency. It will not be a Democrat again. So I guess my question then would be, 
as we're trying to organize to kind of begin to make that change. So what you guys are saying, just so I can clarify what Cleve and David are saying, we have to organize and get on one accord so we can begin to force the hand and make those changes. That's what I'm saying. I don't know that's, what Cleve and David yeah, are saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Cleve, I need a verbal yes or no. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I have an answer to that question. In, well, in I'm just trying to clarify your point because, like I said, to me, I don't, I didn't really understand how where I felt fit into what you were saying. No, no, no. I, I was just I, what I was referring to was the question of the difference between West Indians and right. They're American not, they're not looking for this to this government for anything. Their object, objectives and goals are different than ours because we, we live here and we want justice and liberty mm -hmm. because we sub subscribe to that. I just want, I just want to clarify though, the point of um, us doing our part. That, that was the only thing that was just kind of to me that I just wanted to clarify because you know, uh, I think I'm not alone out there that people feel like we are doing our part. We're showing up. We're voting. We are trying to organize in the community. We are trying to march, protest, make it known how we feel about issues, and nothing's happening. One issue. We're making it known how we feel about one issue. Right. Police reform. There's a, right. Well, education, which I, I'm, I'm waiting on Dave to get into that because I know that's his bag. <laughs> There's other there's other issues that I'm sure there are, you know, there is movement and strides on. But all right, all right this is going to be a two hour podcast. Go ahead, Dave. Say your say what you were going to say before I jumped in. No, what I was saying was like, um, yeah, to your point, like I'm saying. Where you're you're when I say looking for a savior, I'm saying you're putting your your vote, your confidence. I don't want to say faith, but you're putting your confidence in a broken system and you're expecting unbroken results, right? Mm -hmm. So you're saying I'm voting for this politician because they promised me police reform. They promised me equality, um, diversity and inclusion and X, Y, and Z, all the, all the, all the things, right? In a broken system and politicians who notoriously always don't deliver on their on their promises they yeah. don't deliver on like i can't in the history of politicians in the history of this country i can't think of one president who delivered on their campaign promises um somebody always was disenfranchised majority of the time it is the black community but even outside of that if you look at their overall platform a lot of other people were disenfranchised too because that's just what politicians do especially now it's about getting in office it's about getting in power and at this point campaigns are millions of dollars and so it's it's all about who's got the money to Brian's point. It's all about who can fund my campaign to get me on the platform to so that I can run for office. And those are the people that that's my agenda. That at the end of the day, I'm supporting those people. That's why Democrats, you know, you have the primaries, they pick their people that they want to be the face of the Democrats, right? The Republican primaries, they pick their people and then they let the people, quote unquote, pick who's going to be the primary president, uh, presidential candidate. It's all a broken system. So what I'm saying is like we're looking to a, quote unquote, savior in a broken system, whereas like. Be your own savior, create your own, for lack of a better word, create your own system, right? Like. To Brian's point, like, okay, we're why are we even voting in a broken system that's designed to keep, also to Clee's point, designed to keep us where we are? This system was designed to keep us where we are. So I don't care who's running for office, the system is broken. So we can't expect anything other than what we're getting. 
But isn't that isn't that Trey's point though to demand that the elected officials fix the system and correct whatever wrongs that have been done? Right, Trey. Well, my 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 next follow up question would be: So, what's step one? I the system's broken. We fundamentally we fundamentally agree that there are a lot of issues with it. You're saying we can't turn to the politicians because they're not going to do anything about it. We can't organize because there's so much that division amongst us uh, as a people. So what do we do? All right, I'm, I'm jumping in. First of all, let me clarify something. The system is not broken. The system so it's is working, working perfectly. It's working the how it was designed. Perfectly fine. The problem is we want somebody to break the system. Fair. That's what we're looking for. Police reform to the extent that it makes it equal for black people and other people to exist on this on this in this country is not going to happen because it is a part of that system. African-Americans are marketed to from the age of four now and put into this funnel of consumerism, destitute, debt, all this other stuff. That's why you don't, I mean, and this is like a, a small example, but like escapism, that's why you don't see any liquor stores or check cashing places in the suburbs. These things exist in, in urban neighborhoods for a reason, because it's just a matter of time before you, this is statistics, before you turn to selling drugs or robbery or murder, statistically or gangs, then you are a target. Once you're a target and the police put one felony on your record, now you can't vote anymore. I know that's looking to change, but like now you can't vote anymore. So, and you can't get a job. So you're either going to start your own company, but you can't get funding. So now you got to go back to this, to what you know to make that money and risk strike number two. And the system works perfectly. So to answer your question, Trey, what's step one? Step one is getting educated about the system, understanding it from birth. What are you prepared to do to break the system? And if the answer is, well, you know, I'm going to teach my kids fiscal responsibility, that still doesn't keep them from um, the marketing that's happening on white owned BET. All right, I'm going to raise them in a Christian household. Fine. You're not preparing them for the real life situations they're going to face coming home from school in a white neighborhood if they're black. Like there's so much that you have to do to prepare a kid and it's going to take 10 generations because for our 62%, there's a 30% supporting a system that affects the entire 65%. Now I'm talking about race breakdowns in America. So it's got to be to trace point education at the highest level from birth. It's got to be, uh, to David's point, an immense emphasis on self-sufficiency. Like you've got to be able to get through everything 10 times as good with no excuses and be early. And to Cleve's point, you can't fall into like the, like not the victim mentality, but you have to be like willing to be comfortable being uncomfortable, not to, you know, whatever have you, but like it takes all of those things from birth and then a reinforcement of that every single time they are marketed to. Every single time. Black Lives Matter means defund the police. Well, son, not always. Black Lives Matter just means Black Lives Matter. But defunding the police is an awful idea. Police reform is an excellent idea. Uh, so you keep bringing up defund the police. So I'm not a proponent of defund the no, police. No, I know. I don't think any of us are. But there is some valid points to that, right? To what? To which part? Defunding the police. Defunding the police in the essence of removing um, some funding from the police. It doesn't mean dismantle the police, disband the police or dismantle the police. But there, is there a reason why New York City needs a robot dog that probably costs millions of dollars of taxpayer dollars to make? Right. Do do some of do Hickville, Indiana, does the police need 
military grade tanks and weapons and armory and things like that to police their their town. So instead so I think the funding to police also means taking some of that funding that funds these unnecessary police things and fund things that that are more productive to the community. We can build parks, we can build pools, we can pay teachers more, right? Instead of funding like funding the police. The New York City's bill yearly funding for the police is some like astronomical number. I think it was like fifty billion dollars or something ridiculous like that. And not all of it goes to paying the police, but a lot of it goes to unnecessary stuff that we can use to better our community. I don't, I'm not like, a, once again, I'm not a proponent of defunding the police necessarily, but there is some valid points in there. I just want to interject there. Yeah, I think- and I would have to agree with you, Cleve, because, um, you know, a lot of, you know, I could just name a town right now that I grew up in where if you ride past a police station, there are two tanks sitting out there. They have uh, military gear. They have all types of stuff that they are, you know, have that they never use that the taxpayers paid for. The idea, the concept of defund the police wasn't to dismantle the police. It was to take some of the resources that they're using for the militarization of the police force and reusing those resources. They were even talking about bringing on psychiatric help. So when there's actually a mental health issue, instead of sending a cop with a gun, sending someone who's trained to deal, de-escalate that situation instead of escalating it. The plan wasn't solely dismiss, and that's kind of where a lot of the different things that came out of that movement, the meanings just got warped. It wasn't, it was never dismantled police stations. It was never dismantled police forces. It was always, we're spending trillions on trillions in a police department when some of that money could be used other places. So remember, remember white people in this country, a lot of white, white families in the country got out of the got out of poverty and into the middle class and upper middle class through police, right? You have a, every, think about the white people you know. They have an uncle, they have a cousin that's a police and that was a way for them to get up, get out of poverty, get out of debt, get out of whatever um, that black people we weren't afforded to. So I think hearing that term defund the police struck a lot of emotions out of people that have a history of, of police in their family. And see, I, I actually... I disagree with the spending that you guys have put out. I do agree that there should be a reallocation of funding, but you can't defund the police in any way. You can't take money out of that system because now you make the cops feel less valued. And as much as we can agree that cops are terrifying to African-American men, what you don't want to do is make them more terrifying by taking money out of their pockets. I think, to y'all's point, tanks are ridiculous. Like, unless you are policing, there's no place in America where tanks are necessary for for, for city police. I, I can't even think of an example. Not even Camden anymore, because they're doing police reform. But like, is there a way to take some of that funding and put it into deeper psychological testings at the academy? Is there an opportunity for us to take that funding and do annual mental health check-ins? Because to our, you know, something we mentioned in a previous podcast, mental health doesn't just affect African-Americans and it's not spoken about. It's also in the police community. You're not supposed to be subjected to that level of trauma every single day and come away scot-free. Look at all of our military personnel who come home with PTSD. I'm not saying that there aren't bad police officers. They're horrible police officers. Most of them jurisdiction Bayonne. But at the but what I'm saying is, is there an opportunity for us to use that money to actually support police officers so they can stop thinking that they have to kill black people? If not, then I'll shut up. I don't think I ever heard that perspective before, but it's it's valid. Wouldn't no, couldn't you I, break down I, a lot of systemic racism if you put more money into psychological testing? And it's got to be independent. It can't be state-funded psychologists. It's got to be third-party. I have heard uh, that they were discussing the training that our officers go through. It takes longer for 
uh, I forget my examples now, but there are specific certifications that take longer than it does to get a badge and a gun in this country. And that is, to your point, Brian, a place where funds are needed and that should be revisited. There should be a difference in how we educate and prepare our officers and even, like you said, treat our officers so they can deal with the different things they're seeing. Because, I mean, I can't, you know, I, I'm sure they see stuff that is unimaginable every day. You're walking into people's households. You're stopping people from killing each other. You're, you, you know, there's, it's not an easy job at all. But at the same time, it uh, either way, that would still be a form of changing the funding or to the term that they're using, defunding. Instead of paying it in this way, let's use those resources and put it that way. So I think your point is super valid. I think all the points we're making are super valid. I just think that we have to agree that policing in this country needs to change, and there are tons of ways we can do it. I know that Barack, the part of Barack Obama's, what they did do after Trayvon Martin was they did create training, uh, trainings that they sent out to all the police acad- uh, police forces, um, and they left it up to their discretion to choose to use the trainings or not. I do remember uh, just from back when that happened, what he did give, uh, he told that they did during one of his speeches. To me, it wasn't enough, but it was something that they did do. I do know that they are evaluating that. They are evaluating the training and all that. But there needs to be my problem with that, though, is that they can still claim. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to do this. Um, Trey, you're right. But training training is just like the education system, which I'm sure we're going to get into. Training is just saying, I told you to do this. So you say it back to me the way I told you to say it and you pass. There's no acknowledgement of bias. There's no psychological, like, you know, I can I can sit across from somebody with a bachelor's degree in psychology and give a much deeper analysis of how they feel about African-Americans than what is required to enter the police academy. You got to be 18. You got to never been pulled over before or like no, no, like previous jail record. And there's got to be an opening. And if you're military, you get bumped to the top of the list. So now we're putting people who've gotten PTSD abroad, most likely, at the front of the list and they've probably been overseas killing black and brown people because we still want Africa's oil. We still want Saudi Arabia's oil. We still want the diamonds and the natural resources. So now you put these, sorry, I I get very passionate about this. You put people that have dealt with that who have not been psychologically evaluated at the front of the list for police policing. And you say, because you've served time, because you've done, um, you've served our country, you are are specifically qualified to represent the police force. No, you are specifically qualified to get psychological evaluation. I think, uh, Dave, I want you to go because you haven't, you've, uh, you've been sitting back and I know you're ready to launch. So go ahead, brother. I'll let you have it. Actually, I'm, uh, this is interesting to me. I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm I'm listening to all this stuff. First police reform, I think for me, it's like, I think everybody has a different goal. And that's the first problem. Um, and I guess I, I keep coming back to this, but like, we all have different objectives of what police reform looks like. Yeah. Even just in this four, the four of us. Yeah. I, the three of you guys are talking and three of you guys have three different opinions on yeah. how police reform should look um, in America. Yeah. Right? And so like, that's a problem, right? Uh, because even if we if we if we say okay, we're going to trust in the politicians, the politicians are sitting there like, well, I really don't know what you want, right? Because because Trey wants it this way, Brian wants it this way, and Cleve wants it this way, right? And there's you know six million other people that want it a, a different way. So I think the first thing is again we need to we need to come together as a community and and that's what we hoped black lives matter was supposed to do we know all the controversy behind that but we need something like that that was the that was what the civil rights movement did right they had a common goal they went about it in different ways but the goal was always the same and 
You know, Hugh Newton did it his way. Malcolm X did it his way. MLK did it his way. But they all had the same goal. Nowadays, you got half the people that don't even support Black Lives Matter, you know, before all the uh, the, the scandal stuff, just because, oh, well, it's run by two lesbian women who, you know, they this, this, and that, and they, they got their own, they had their own agendas, right? And then you had the, 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 um, the contrarians that were like, oh, well, you know, what about all lives matter and all that stuff? So again, I think we just need to, we need to have a community of leaders who we have a common goal to say, this is what police reform looks like for us. And this is what we all agree on. It's almost like unionizing, right? This is what we all agree on. We might not agree on every single detail, but we need to have at least the foundation. Because y'all three got three different foundations, right? Um, And so, because, you know, Cleve is talking about taking resources away and moving them and reallocating them. Brian's saying, now we need to put more resources in, but just in different places. Don't remove any resources. And you're saying reform and well you and Cleve are kind of saying the same thing. I just want accountability. But, I want um, accountability. I want <laughs> I want if something you know like we got the body cams and then half the time they're malfunctioning or they're not on. <laughs> malfunctioning. I want I want account I want something happened that should not have happened and there are consequences for what happened. That's that's I, if it's if it's an education if it's in whatever, I just want accountability. I don't want it to be maybe, you know, we're praying we're going to get them on charges. We're praying. Like, I, I don't, I want you, you should not be killing citizens of this country unless it's truly warranted. I, I, however it looks, however, whatever needs to happen, I am, I'm on board. I just need, I want accountability. Trey, I don't want that's it to be, be uh, Sorry, go ahead, man. I, I was just going to say that's what the George Floyd law was supposed to be. And that's still being debated, right? It's it's never going to be a law. <laughs> I mean, I, look, I, okay. go ahead. No, I, I totally agree with you, Trey. I think once, as long as, as long as the police are people, as long as it's police policing people, there are going to be issues and there are going to be misunderstandings and Things are going to happen, but as but we need the accountability. Yeah, and I think that's where we can all agree on. Is as long as there's accountability, as long as the laws are consistent, as long as the police are being prosecuted the same way as we are, as our people are, then I think we can get somewhere. Um, yeah, that that's that's my two cents. But what, even with accountability, do you really think that that's going to change? The behavior. It depends on the level of accountability. The George Floyd law only makes it easier to prosecute a police officer if they are um, in, determined to be like wrongfully, you know, wrongfully killed killed somebody. And it's not even specific to African Americans. So, like, if, De- if Derek Chauvin kills George Floyd after this law goes into power, he it's much easier to prosecute, and it doesn't take as long. And Minnesota can try him for first degree murder with no precedent. And it makes it easier for that. That's my understanding of it. I still think even I think the accountability has to come in their wallets. Like the reason people become police officers by and large is because of the freaking pensions. pension. Yes. Right. So if you start pulling from the police pension, you reduce the uh, the glamour of becoming a police officer, because now you can't go in, be racist or do whatever you want for 20 years, get out scot free and have a great pension. Because Derek Chauvin's pension is at risk. I don't know if it's, I don't know legally what that looks like, but I don't think it's gone, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think that he just automatically forfeits his pension because he had to go to jail. That doesn't sound right to me. You still put your time in prior to that. You just go to jail now and you lose whatever contributions you would have had going forward. But I think his pension is still intact. Imagine if killing this man meant that you now are broke 
and you've put in 18 years or however long he was a police officer. That changes people. It changes the allure of being a police officer. You can't, like even those cops in Wilmington, North Carolina, when the uh, George Floyd thing first happened, it was like, um, did you guys hear about this? Like there were three cops in Wilmington, they got caught on tape and fired by the new black chief of police in Wilmington, North Carolina, because they said, I can't wait for this race war to start. I've got my guns prepared to kill a bunch of N-words. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Those police officers were fired, but they did not forfeit their pensions up until that point, as far as I'm aware. Imagine if that kind of thought process, that kind of behavior was exposed and you lose all your money. I think we can, I think, uh, I think we will go circles and circles and circles around this. Yeah, yeah. I think we all can agree that there, we want accountability. We want change. We want a difference. I do though, before we get out of here, Dave, I want you to kind of talk to us from the education perspective and educate me a little bit <laughs> on how that works and what's being done in that world. That kind of is a part of the, uh, the struggle, uh, that we're, you know, that we're debating right now. Yeah. I mean, for me, education has always been a big part of my life. And it's, it's, it's just, again, like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean coming through the, the school system, but just educating ourselves. Cause part of it is you talk to different people. I mean, this is a, this is a rarity, right? For us to be able to hear and have an educated conversation and really know all the details and the facts and be able to debate this. Most people, I would argue, have no idea like what any of the nuances is even entail, right? Um, and that's where you get the people who are like, defund the police, they're either for it because it just sounds, it sounds great. It sounds like something they need to champion or they're against it because it sounds terrible, right? Without going into all the details and the nuances and understanding all that. And so I think just education is, you know, the cliche knowledge is power, <laughs> but I think education is important, like educating yourself and understanding this is what we need to do um, is a big step forward. Um, to Brian's point, if you're educating your kids from birth, you don't have a lot of these issues because they understand they understand their light their their rights right when they when they encounter a police officer they understand what they can and can't do and i i get police officer trigger happy and all that stuff but i'm just talking about strictly from a rights perspective there are certain laws in place now that hold police officer accountable for using excessive force for you know pulling you over without probable cause for all these different things that the community largely does not know about and so that changes your interaction with the police officer when you get pulled over if i know my rights i know what i can and can't do what i can and can't say and that potentially may save my life right um so I think just education in general is a big part that we're kind of missing in this this cycle, right? And even that, even that is part of the broken system, right? Because you have the more we and we talked about this. You have the more affluent schools that are well funded, and they have better programs to teach kids different things that you know the urban school districts don't have access to my wife's school does not even have textbooks they make copies right whereas you know a more affluent neighborhood like the one that i live in the kids got ipads right so um i think just looking at even just the education system and, the, and reforming and rebuilding all of that is a big part. I mean, there's so many different parts to all of this. I, I don't think it's just any one thing. I don't think it's just police reform. I don't think it's just prison reform. I don't think it's just, you know, um, revamping the education system or, or like you literally, to Brian's point, you got to break the system. 
You, you, you got to break every facet of this system in order for us to win. And in a way that, that means, yeah, creating another Greenwood, another Black Wall Street, another, um, you know, taking over for our own and supporting our own. We don't even support our own half the time. Most of us don't shop black. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it could be this it can be the same store and we'll go to the white store because we feel like they got better service. Um it could be the same stuff, but you know, I mean there's just so many different things. We go back to the division amongst ourselves, the light skin and the dark skin. Like, why is that even a thing? So, um, and I think all of that even comes from education. If you learn those things when you're younger, like I learned those things when I was younger, my dad was big on black history and stuff like that. And so I learned a lot of that even, you know, when I was growing up that like all this is designed to divide us so that we can't quote unquote take over. Right and make real change. And I think that's really what it comes down to. I love it. Um, any closing remarks, fellas, as we get out of here? I think that this topic is a, a, a loaded one. It's one that we don't all, you know, we don't have the answers to, but it's, it's a conversation that needs to start. Let's take it there. Let's begin to have those conversations. Let's begin to discuss the change we want to see. We want to, we want to, we want things to change. We have to figure out how to make it happen. And we have to begin to understand the power of our community and, and what we, what part we play in our community to help us get to where we're trying to go. Um, so again, gentlemen, this was an excellent conversation as always. We really got to touch on some good topics. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. You can follow the podcast on all social media platforms at let's take it there pod please remember to subscribe to the podcast and click the notification bell so you're notified when our next episode drops peace